0: Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. So, as Kaylee alluded to, this week has been an adventure. Our our family is together, so that's amazing. Um, last night was let's see, no, it wasn't last night. It was the night before last that uh, Oliver and Eve finally got to stay in their new house for the first time. So that was fun. So all four of us are, are living under the same roof again. So that's, that's great. And um, I use living in quotes though, because living out of boxes is a, a different thing. I, I keep on going to my dad saying, hey, I need to borrow this tool or I need to borrow this thing. And I know I have one. I just have no idea where it is right now. <laughs> so I had to go borrow a wrench and I had to go borrow you know, something else. And it's just, I have these things in a box. And we'll find it probably a week from now, but I need it tomorrow. So that's kind of where we're at right now. But what a blessing. What a blessing to have you as a family, to have my immediate family, to, to be able to, to be in this place together today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would reveal yourself through your word today, that you would speak to hearts and minds, that you would change shape and mold, God, that you would, would remind us specifically who we are. God, you you say specifically in your word who we are, what we are to you. You define us. We seek that out this morning. Lord, I ask that it would be your words that are heard this morning and not mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wendy, can I get you to close those doors when you get a second? So this morning we're going to continue our study on this question that we're, we're talking about here, this question of, who am I? And the, the past few weeks, we've talked about how God makes it abundantly clear who we are. How it, it's not this well-hidden secret. It's not, you have to say all the right words in all the right order. You have to pull the, the book on the bookshelf to get the secret bookcase to move and then go into the hidden room and there it is. It finally says, who I am I know. No, it's, It's written down for us. God God speaks over and over and over again who we are. We just have to listen. And if we stop for just a second and ask that question, who am I? Look back on your week. Just quietly take a moment and and look back on your week. All the, the different labels that other people put on you. All of the, the labels that maybe you put on yourself. All of those things that are maybe good and maybe bad. All of those things that, that we call ourselves, to the true and the untrue. All of the, the interactions that we've had with, with family members, all of the interactions you've had with your friends, your neighbors, those people that you don't like, the, the people that you work with, all of those different interactions and the labels and the definitions that came from those things. All of those, those times where those people said who you were, where you, you gave yourself your own identity, where you defined yourself. And and now when we have those things that, that, and in my case, if I look back and I look back with an honest eye, it's this mountain of different things that I've called myself. This mountain of different things that that other people have called me. But now we ask the question, who does God say I am? Ephesians 1, 1 through 2. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace, and peace to you from God our Father. God calls us recipients of grace. And that's what we get to, to talk about this morning. God calls us recipients of grace. Maybe it's a little unfair when the worship leader gets to pick the, when the pastor gets to pick the, the songs for the worship leader, because as you can see, there was a lot of talk about grace this morning. God calls us recipients of grace. Grace is one of my my favorite topics to preach about and why would that be because it 's exciting. Grace means that I got something for free. How do you you love going to an antique store and and going in and, and I I did something for the first time in my adult life this weekend, and I I had to apologize to Oliver. Kaylee and I and and Oliver were were going into Eureka, and we needed to get, we had to replace the lampshade that's over our our kitchen table. And we drove into Eureka, and I got out of the the car. We were going to go into this antique store to go get one, and I had to apologize to Oliver because I just immediately recognized I'm doing to him the exact thing that my parents did to me as a a child, that we would go in and spend ages in antique stores (laughs) forever. I told him, I promise we will not be here for more than 10 minutes. (laughs) And we we went into this place and, I mean, had an earthquake happened, we we would have all just cease to exist there, there is no way that this place is safe and, and you kind of are wandering through this maze of uh, paths and we ask the guy hey do you have like any light fixtures in here and, and he just kind of waves vaguely to the back of the store I'm like uh. so we we go to the back of the store and, and there's just this pile of like rusty metal and light bulbs and lamp cables and just like wow <laughs> I don't think this is what we're looking for, but Kaylee just reaches in, and out of the midst of all that, she pulls out this, like, brand new looking, uh, like, chandelier light fixture that was exactly what we wanted, and we're like, man, this is amazing, this is great. I wonder how much he's going to charge me for it, because he's going to call it an antique, because this is, like, the nicest looking thing here. (laughs) No, it wasn't an antique. It was old, or newer, that's right, and so... You know, I'm getting ready to start bargaining you know, with this guy. And, and I go and I ask him, hey, how much are you going to charge for this? And 30 bucks. Well, great. <laughs> so I just took it because I was getting ready to pay 100. <laughs> grace, unmerited favor. <laughs> we are recipients of grace. I, I love preaching on grace because it's exciting. And from the grace of God comes hope. From that unmerited favor comes peace, comes an understanding of who we are. Grace is the most transformational word in all of scripture. The entire narrative of the Bible from from the very beginning all the way to the very end, the the story, if you guys remember that study that we, we went through, that story is of God's love, and God's love is shown through his grace. A story of undeserved redemption. By the the transformative power of God's grace, he reaches down into the muck of our world. Make no mistake, we are not anything great to look at in his perspective, he reaches down into the muck of this world. He gets his hands dirty and he says, it's okay, I've got this. A perfect demonstration of the Father's love. If we look at at that famous hymn written by John Newton, there's the perfect word to describe this grace and that is amazing this grace is amazing grace is a story grace is a gift that is given to us it's God's character it's our hope as we we stated before it's a transforming tool it's a state of relationship Is an invitation. Grace is experienced, and yet at the same time that it's being experienced, it's also a calling to something else. Grace has the ability to turn my life upside down, but at the same time, it has the ability to put my life in order. Grace makes me recognize that there's nothing that I can do to earn it. And at the same time, it removes the fear of me ever measuring up to it. One author says that grace puts us in our place without ever putting us down. Grace enables you to face truths about yourself that might be devastating, that you've hesitated to consider while also freeing you from that guilt. Grace tells you what you aren't while welcoming you to what you can be. Grace enters your life in a single moment and it will occupy it for all of eternity. You can't live a productive life or have a a productive ministry. You can't be productive in the kingdom of God. In this broken down, dirty, terrible world that we live in that is full of sin. Unless you have a practical grasp of the grace that we have been given. Of the grace that that changes us, that shapes us, that molds us. The definition of grace. Grace. Is an act of kindness, courtesy, or clemency. Grace is the power of God made available to meet all of your needs. The power of God is made available to you. Isn't that exciting? And there goes the power. <laughs> and Charlotte's freaking out because she's thinking, man, how is the stream going to work now? <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is, is I can keep going. <laughs> Anybody that's watching us is going to be kind of messed up, but that's okay. The definition of grace. The, the power of God being made available to us. If you are struggling this morning, Kaylee, can you hit the mute buttons on those battery backups under there? if you are struggling, if there are issues in your life. How many say they have issues in their life? <laughs> yeah, that's, I think we can, we can go there together. There are, are problems, there are hardships, there are things that, man, I don't even want to talk about. Yep. <laughs> God's grace is available. God's power is made available. And why does that, why does that work? Why, why does that actually allow us to function correctly? The reason it allows us to function is, is stated in that first song that we just sang this morning. It's, it allows us to, to function and to work because God's grace is enough. And enough makes it seem like it's, it's just enough to, to make it over the end. But it's so much more than that. Is more than enough. My grace is, is more than sufficient for you. It will meet every need. Every hardship that you face, you do not go through it alone because my grace is enough for you. As we look at the sufficiency of God's grace, we have 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, and it says, a thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to torment me, and this is Paul speaking, so that I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness.'" For power is perfected in weakness, and therefore I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So because of Christ, I'm pleased in weakness, in insults, in catastrophes, in persecutions and pressures, for when I am weak, then I am strong. This verse, this, this passage in Scripture should be incredibly encouraging. <laughs> because what this tells us, what this reminds us of is that we don't have to be strong. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to get yourself in order. You don't have to be strong because in the midst of your weakness, God's strength is shown. In the midst of your weakness, his grace is sufficient. Thank you, Jesus. God's grace is sufficient in supply. How many gallons of water are there in the ocean? Scientists have actually come up with a number as to how... I mean, really, is just a math problem, is the way that they've pursued it. It's, it's 3,612 times 10 to the 20th power. So it's like 3,612 with like 21 zeros after it, I think. <laughs> how many stars are in the known universe? Scientists have figured that out too. Um, 76 trillion, so that's seven followed by 22 zeros. And that was calculated by a team in uh, the Australian National University. How many grains of sand are there in the world? A lot. Um, Seven quintillion, 500 quadrillion grains of sand is what we have all of a sudden figured out. And God looks at us like what are you talking about? (laughs) Even if these answers are incorrect, which they probably are, God's grace is bigger than all of those numbers. God's grace is bigger than The the drops of water in the ocean. It's bigger than the sands that we we see on the earth. It's bigger than all of the stars in the sky. God's grace is more than all of that. God's grace is enough. You could empty all of the, the oceans, but God's grace would have only just begun. There's a quote from Spurgeon, and he says, When God forgives our sins, there's more forgiveness to follow. He justifies us in the righteousness of Christ, but there's more to follow. He adopts us into his family, but there's more to follow. He prepares us for heaven, but there's more to follow. He gives us grace, but there's more to follow. He helps us to old age, but there's still more to follow. Even when we arrive in the world to come, there is still more to follow. God's grace is sufficient in supply. God's grace is sufficient in salvation. If we look at 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 16, it says, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save really good people. To save people that had their acts together. To save people that came to church on Sunday mornings, thank goodness. To came to save people that dressed just like us, that smelled just like us, that lived in the United States of America. Everybody's looking at their Bible, like, what translation is this guy reading? No. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them. But I received mercy because of this, so that in me the worst of them Christ Jesus might demonstrate the utmost patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. There's a testimony about a young man named Nicky Cruz. And he was the, the leader of one of the toughest gangs in New York City. His Satanist parents abused him. He grew up a terrible, hardened life. And if you looked at, at the formative influences that he had as a young child, it's, it's really no surprise at all that, became, that he became the man who he became. Nikki says, I I wanted to do to others what what my mother did to me. I used to feel good when I hurt people. But privately, he didn't feel good. Privately, when I was alone, he said, loneliness became like a seductive woman that crawled inside my chest and ate at me. I was there twisting and fighting, and I felt so lost. And there was two people that that saw this desperate condition that that his heart was in. And one of them was a psychologist. And the psychologist told him, there's a dark side in your life that nobody can penetrate. You're walking straight to jail, straight to the electric chair, and straight to hell. And there's no hope. The other was a pastor named David Wilkerson. And he risked his life to tell Nikki that there was hope. Nikki says, I heard his voice that God has the power to change my life. And I started cursing him. I spit in his face. I hit him. I told him, I don't believe in what you say. You get out of here. And Nikki never expected to hear what Wilkerson said next. Wilkerson replied, you could cut me up into a thousand pieces and lay them in the street and every piece would still love you. And Nikki says it, it did damage. It, it did good damage. <laughs> He began to question, and for weeks he couldn't sleep, he couldn't think, he couldn't function without thinking about this love that he'd never heard of. Nikki and his entire gang shows up at one of Wilkerson's rallies. <laughs> and everybody's looking at them like, what is going to happen now? <laughs> And one by one, they each begin to give their lives to the Lord. The, the crucifixion, Jesus' death on the cross, is what grabbed Nikki. He says, "I was choked up with pain, and my my eyes were fighting, and, and tears began to began to come down, and more tears, and more tears, and I was fighting, and then I just surrendered." I just let Jesus hug me. I let my head rest on his chest and I said, I'm sorry. Forgive me for this and for everything else that I've done. And for the first time, I told somebody that I loved them. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient in the midst of suffering. 1 Peter 5.10 says, Now the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered for a little while. There's four things that, that God's grace will personally do. God's grace will restore. If your life is falling apart, God will restore it. If your marriage is falling apart, God will restore it. Some of you look at the mess that you're in this morning. So You, you look at all of the stuff that you had to kind of put behind you to show up in this place this morning. And you wonder, is there hope? How will you ever get back to, to where you, you once were? God restores lives in the midst of suffering. God restores lives in the midst of heartbreak. God restores lives in the midst of loss and, and hardship because god's grace is sufficient god's grace establishes God builds a house on the rock right it's not on on some sinking foundation. It's not on sand. It's, it's not on anything that can be moved. Our, our faith and our trust and our hope is built on Christ alone. A solid rock, a firm foundation, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God strengthens, he supports. There's one thing about this verse that we really, wish was just left out. And it's those last three words. After you've suffered a little. God, can't you just give me grace before I suffer? Can't you just take care of these things without me having to go through this? I'm not, I'm not strong enough to go through these things. I, can't, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know What's going to happen here? But, church, we do know one thing God's grace is sufficient. Even though we have no idea why we are going through the difficulties and the hardships that we're going through right now, God's grace is sufficient. I don't have the answers as to why loss happens in your life, I don't have the answers as to why. Brokenness occurs in families and in relationships, but God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient in sin. Sin exists in our lives. Until we get to this other side of eternity, sin is present. But there's a hymn that says that grace is greater than all our sin. Romans five twenty says, where sin is multiplied, grace is multiplied even more. You can't out sin God's grace. Again, this should be encouraging. (laughs) This should be something that, that creates excitement that says, thank you, Jesus, that I cannot do anything to separate myself from a love that saves me. Thank you, Jesus, that your grace is multiplied even more. If you think back to all of the the different songs that that we sing on Sunday mornings, all of the different hymns that exist, "Amazing Grace," and then we have like four different iterations of that song. "Your grace is enough," "Grace, what have you done?" "Grace flows down," "Grace, greater than all our sin." The list goes on and on and on and on. Where we're singing about grace, why do we do that? We sing about grace because. That's the gospel message. That is the message that people like Nikki need to hear, that there is grace in the midst of your brokenness. There is grace in the midst of all of the wrong things that you have done that makes a way for you to be with Christ for all of eternity, regardless of those things. There is hope. God's grace and his love are what invade the hearts of a hardened gang member when nothing else seems like it's going to make a difference. And so as we come to a close this morning and we ask that question that's not on that screen anymore, (laughs) who am I? Who am I? I'm a recipient of God's grace. I'm a recipient of God's grace, and it is more than enough for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that in the midst of all of the things that we do wrong, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of loss and brokenness, your grace is sufficient. God, your grace is multiplied even more. Lord, as we take this time, as we move into a time of prayer and ministry, Lord, we, we come as a people with needs as a people with with needs for provision, with needs for healing, with needs for mending and restoration and redemption. God, we come with needs where we need to see your grace win. God, we come together as, as a family, as a, a group of believers w- that are bound together with a common, de- common denominator that is, that is Jesus Christ, your son, the blood of Jesus Christ, that speaks that better word, that better word of grace. We come asking you to move in our midst, God, to, to change lives today. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop.